I'm Jolyon Rubenstein, professional funny man and reader-outer of scripts like this one. And I'm investigative journalist by day, shape-shifting lizard by night, James Ball, and you're listening to The New Conspiracist. This is a podcast that boldly goes where most people know better not to tread. Each week, we take one specific conspiracy theory and one great guest, and we dissect it. What's the conspiracy? Who's behind it? What evidence is there for it? And why do people believe it? And then we settle, once and for all, whether it's fact or fake news. So whether you want answers on whether the Loch Ness Monster did 9-11, on Benghazi, or whether Avril Lavigne died and was replaced by her body double and love of my life, Melissa... You're in the right place. Now, this week on the podcast, we are joined by Times radio host and Times columnist Hugo Rifkin. And it's fair to say, when we decided to do this podcast right at the beginning, at the inception of it, this is something we were really looking forward to. Because Hugo is going to talk about something that, frankly... is at the heart of all conspiracies, which is, of course, the ever-shape-shifting lizard people of David Icke. So, James, uh, do you want to explain to us what this podcast is really going to be about? Oh, yeah, this is definitely one that we've been looking forward to. And uh, when the media elite demands, well, some might say, Hugo, give permission for us to look into this. I think we really do have to jump right in on this one for our own safety. How are you, mate? Uh, I'm very well. What was your kind of entry-level conspiracy growing up, Hugo? You know, were you like a zeitgeister or were you like hardcore on the JFK stuff at uni or, you know? Um, no, I never, I mean, probably because of my family situation, I've never been one for conspiracy theories. Because my dad was in the government growing up, the idea of, <laughs> I put this in a polite way, but the idea of there being a sort of shadowy <laughs> body of people brilliantly running everything just didn't seem true to form. I don't know. So, um, so was, was it a case of when, when your dad took you to the sort of secret Illuminati meetings, they all reassured you that there, there was just no truth to yes. all of them? <laughs> it, it, was, it was more, look, it, to be honest, it was more when I hit that sort of like 16, 17, I thought, come on, they're going to be calling me soon. Now it's my time. <laughs> now I'm getting the invitation to the Hollow Mountain. If I don't get invited into this, nobody's in it. And the call never came. Also, yeah, not, not all of us can grow up, you know, with sort of, you know, bloodletting and, and antlers at Bilderberg group meetings from teenage years, Hugo. You know, not all of us have that experience, you know. Well, I mean, it, it is actually immensely fortunate. I remember asking my dad, I was like, what's, what's the Bilderberg group? And he was like, it's this quite boring conference. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, we have done, if you've been regularly following the podcast, so many different conspiracies from the sublime to the ridiculous. But when James and I started thinking about making this podcast, the subject of today's show was definitely central to its inspiration, simply because of its scale, its power, and also its absurdity. So James, what is today's topic and what the hell is it about? So so today's topic is one that, you know, I think some of our conspiracy theories are a bit outlandish. People find it a bit hard to grasp them. This one, I I think, is, is pretty known, pretty established. Uh, It's pretty easy to get your head around, isn't it? I mean, I can tell you that surveys suggest roughly 12 million Americans believe this one. Um, And that's that uh, humanity is is ruled by tall, blood-drinking, shape-shifting reptilian humanoids from the Alpha Draconis star system uh, that either hide in underground bases or disguise themselves as 
prominent people in the world. And the man who's discovered this, the sort of shining light, the academic who has brought this to to the world, is uh, a former footballer and sports broadcaster uh, known as David Icke. And he believes that uh, the lizard people... The, the lizard people or the space lizards or, you know, whatever we want to call them, um, are disguising themselves as the Rothschilds, um, but also the Bush family and the, the British royal family, definitely lizards. Um, and yes, as, as I say, um, apparently people in more than 40 countries believe this one. Ike has put it around for decades. Um, and he's he's written sort of books with hundreds and hundreds of obsessive footnotes on it um so yes and our topic this week was chosen by our guests so i'm gonna to have to ask you hugo why why the lizard people and i love it i love this one it's so good i so i first came across this i think probably like a lot of people via john ronson john ronson uh, uh, interviewed ike for his book them which was i don't know 2000 and something maybe 20 years ago now he wrote this book and he spent a lot of time with ike and grappling with the question of exactly what David Icke meant when he said the world was ruled by 12-foot tall ships, it's ship-shifting lizards. Broadly speaking, there are still, I believe, two theories as to exactly what David Icke means. One theory is that David Icke means Jews, and the other theory, which is slightly worse, is that when he says lizards, he really does mean lizards. Um, so it's, it's a relatively, as you say, it's a relatively complex advanced theory. There are actually many, many types of aliens that are supposed to be among us, uh, generally ruling us, but it's this one particular type of aliens, the, 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 uh, the, the Anunnaki, I think they're called, who are the particular 12-foot-tall blood-drinking type who have, over the years, done things like disguise themselves as, as the Queen Mother. And I just I just, I just, just love to understand it better. I don't understand. Bluntly, I know the Queen Mother's dead now, but she was quite a little woman. Let's go with the Queen. The Queen's quite a little woman. And she's quite... She's quite ditty, isn't she? She's quite, she's quite mini. I don't understand how you fit a twelve foot tall lizard in there. I just don't understand the mechanics. <laughs> I, of it. I like, I like that this is the main question with it. The sort of lo- the logistics, you know, vacuum packed lizards. They can be quite flexible, yeah. can't they? Well, you know? guys, listen. Before we dismiss this out of hand, let me just say, as someone who has a lot of time for shape shifting reptilian overlords who, you know, rule, rule among us through means apparently most of the time of telepathy and bloodletting of humans, that, um, that there's a lot to this, isn't there? We can't just dismiss this out of hand. What are the, well, let's get into the biology. I mean, look, anyone who's seen Men in Black knows it's completely scientifically possible for a really, really big alien to fit into a really, really small human body. I, I, I believe I believe I saw a uh, medical documentary at primetime uh, BBC on Saturday nights that showed just that happening. But we, we need a physicist here. Well, again, look, I'm not clear about whether if you're a 12 foot tall lizard, not one of you, one of you must be, but if if you're, if I am a 12, if the queen, if the queen is a 12 foot tall lizard. Are you coming out? Are you coming out live <laughs> on the podcast? Is that what's going on? Are you coming out now? It's a podcast. You can't see me. You know, I could be sitting here in reptilian form. You have no way of knowing. That would be a fucking piss take if you actually were a lizard. (laughs) Come on here to gaslight us. Are you gaslighting us? Sitting there licking the mic with my forked tongue, if they have those. I think they do. (laughs) This is is my question. If the queen queen is the 12-foot-tall lizard, right, are we saying that you have this 12-foot-tall lizard kind of hunched up in a queen suit? Or yes, yes, I think that's what we're saying. Oh, hold on, but they're shape-shifting lizards. So if they're shape-shifting, yeah. but then again, this is where the physics comes into it. Is it possible, if you're 12 foot tall, to shape-shift to something that has 
less mass than you do? Can you shapeshift well, to something smaller? Well, that's actually, possible in physics. Wait, wait, wait. You could do this. You could do this. In, in physics terms, you could. You just have to become incredibly dense, which yeah. does explain <laughs> quite a lot about the royals. Listen, James, James, listen. I'm not an, an actual physicist, but I have looked at a lot of physics on YouTube. And I, I was watching one night and, and I, you know, went down, I had a couple of beers, you know, watched a couple more videos. And I'm pretty sure that I've seen at least two or three conspiracy theories that that are pretty clear that Gene Roddenberry, for creator of Star Trek, knew all about the shapeshifters when he posthumously made Star Trek Deep Space Nine. You know, so I think this is actually probably got a lot. We've got to take this seriously for a while, guys. Okay. I mean, I, I should I, sh I, I should actually say that that, that David Icke did present some quite convincing evidence in 1998. Um, he published his first book on the topic, um, The Biggest Secret, um, and interviewed two Brits. <laughs> is that actually what it's called? It's what it's called. So, um, and um, he, he interviewed um, two Brits. Um, Hugo, you, you work as a journalist. Uh, we, we can agree that you need two sources to, to make a claim and to back it up, can't we? Um, he interviewed two Brits who said that they, they knew and had first-hand experience that the royal family were, you know, lizards with crowns. What, what um, kind of first-hand experience? This is a very serious question that I've got here. So uh, has anyone actually ever asked David Icke, like straight out, just asked him, how much weed do you smoke? <laughs> it's a serious question. Has anyone actually, as a journalist, ever confronted David Icke and just said, look, well, we appreciate that you used to play in goal for a minor, pretty average team and your broadcasting career wasn't going anywhere. But at that point, did you turn to the bud? It feels more it feels more LSD than weed. Yeah, it just doesn't seem seem like. And yeah, you know, we say that, and about twelve million Americans believe this. So can we go back to shapeshifting just for a moment? Because I have yeah, let's questions. go back to shapeshifting. So shapeshifting, the queen. So the shapeshifting lizard in a crown. Is the queen? <laughs> is the crown? I'm just getting this right. Is the crown part of the lizard? Yes. Is is, is the lizard shapeshifting into queen form? <laughs> And then no. putting on a crown, whereas no, the no, whole no. thing, because that the, seems like a waste. I think the crown, the crown is definitely, like you said, it's part of the lizard. Part of the lizard. Because you know how lizards can shed their tails. So you can take off the crown. So it's a bit like they shed their tail with a crown. And actually the crown jewels is just a piece of shape-shifting tail, really, right. isn't okay. it? That's all it Next is. Next question. Last, last question on shape-shifting. If they can shape-shift into any shape, what does it mean conceptually to say that they're lizards. <laughs> That's just one shape among many. Does that mean when you when you when they die, they revert to lizard form? Because for for royalty, you know, any public public figures particularly, that's really, really dangerous. Yeah. You think, for example, you know, when Kennedy was shot, if he was a lizard and you're gonna revert straight back to lizard form when you get shot, that's gonna I mean, you know, poof. It's, uh, this, this, actually, this actually gets a bit more complicated as well, because as he's refined his theory, he does seem to suggest that these lizard people have are able to interbreed with humans, and what? some people are no, human that's just lizards. Nonsense, James. Some people are human lizard hybrids. Hang on, <laughs> hang on, hang on. Maybe it's possible, because you know like a liger... You know like when a lion <laughs> and a tiger have sex, you have a liger, and then they're sterile. So it's basically just, if you look at all the sterile people in the world, they are half lizards, 
half human. That's just science, isn't it? Does a lizard have a penis? Yes. I I don't know. I would assume <laughs> some penis um, form. Aren't um, um, lizards clicoas, like, you know, one one tube for everything type right. thingies? Okay. So. I don't know. I wouldn't like to say that because I already felt like Hugo was – I sort of feel like I'd like to say that, but I feel if I was saying it, it would be a bit racist to the lizard people. And also something that Hugo, something that Hugo was saying earlier about – you know, why are we calling them lizards if they're shapeshifters? Is it possible that actually David Icke is actually a massive lizard racist and has just said to these lizard people, that's what you are in my mind, when actually they're just shapeshifting? Right, right. I'm middle class, I'm a doctor now. No, you're not, you're a lizard. <laughs> <laughs> you'll never be president, you're just a lizard to me. He's not recognising the the accomplishment. I don't care about your grandmother's dreams, Lizard. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So I feel like we should probably tackle the question that Hugo raised because David Icke didn't even, at the point where this this book was coming out, he didn't have the best of records on anti-Semitism. You know, you've got the feeling that he and Piers Corbyn could be good friends. Um, And so when he started saying it, people did sort of wonder, is he just saying lizard and meaning Jew? And... You know, you can sort of initially see why there might be some issues. You know, blood libel, a proud English invention of the 11th century, uh, sort of has always been targeted at Jewish people, and you have blood-eating lizards. And then the book, and I kid you not, was talking about constant and coordinated centralization and saying the driving force behind this, and I quote now, is a tribe of interbreeding bloodlines which can be traced back to the ancient Middle and Near East. They emerged from there to become the royalty, aristocracy, and priesthood of Europe before expanding their all their powers across the world, through, largely through the great, in quotes, British Empire. This wow. allowed the tribe to export its bloodlines to all the countries the British and European powers occupied, including the United States, where they continue to run the show to this day. Wow. You you can see why people were maybe going, is yeah. this the loudest dog whistle ever blown? It's not on Dewey. I mean, I will no. say. It's got yeah. a bit of Dewiness in it, hasn't it, Hugo? It's got a, a taste, yeah. Is he got any, does he, James, does he talk about uh, Sephardi and Ashkenazi lizards or just just lizards, just in general? It's, uh, well, some people have noticed that the, the sort of name that uh, he has picked or d- discovered for the... Uh, for the lizards is is not a million miles away from the word Ash, Ashkenazi. Okay, good. So at least he's at least he's taking into account the the the, the spread of you know the disease of the Jews that had already spread over the so world. He seems to have also. I mean, he his argument is, and he has been asked several times. Come on, you know, admit it when you're talking about blood drinking, feeding off humanity, <laughs> making humanity a slave race, uh, satanic worshipping, feeding off the energy of children. You're just being a mad old anti-Semite, aren't you? And uh, this is this is what he told The Guardian in 2001. I'm not talking about one Earth race, Jewish or non-Jewish, he said. I'm talking about a genetic network that operates through all races, this bloodline being a fusion of human and reptilian genes. Uh, 
Uh, and he adds, all racism is ridiculous and completely missing the point. Wow. Okay. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Let's, let's take this on its own terms. So he's not talking about lizards that come from another planet and come here past themselves off as human. This is lizards who have interbred with humans for millennia, right? And are now sort of just sort of embedded, but they're just being. See, I mean, it's. A, I don't know. It's a bit like it's a bit like in the Incredibles. You know, once once everybody's incredible, nobody's incredible, right? I mean, yeah, just, exactly. yeah, yeah. It sort of feels like we've had enough generations that you know, aren't we really all a bit lizards by now? Yeah, you have just made me think as well, Hugo. I'd quite like to see a sort of incredible style film of David Icke's beliefs. I think that would be a, a huge box office smash. <laughs> Well, it's, 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 but it's like the, the way that it must work if they've been here for millennia and they still exist. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like Danny Dyer being delighted that he's descended from Henry VIII. It's like everybody is. We all are. Oh, God, that one was so annoying. Like, you know, <laughs> if you're alive for enough hundred years ago and you have any descendants, then everybody's your descendants because that's, that's, that's how it works. That's what family trees do. You yeah. know, so, so, so we're all lizards, which means nobody's a lizard. So, so I, I don't know. It's very, very difficult. I mean, that, that would, that would start putting his background towards anti Semitism again, wouldn't it? Well, listen, rather, not, let's just, I'm just going to slide slightly change gears here because obviously you know been mass piss taking mode this whole time so far um but one of the things i really remember just anecdotally about david ike was that we were going to do a sketch about him as part of the revolution will be televised and hayden went down to i think it was wembley arena and was totally struck in utter amazement at the fact that not only had he sold out three nights in a row, but that he was essentially ad-libbing with a sort of, you know, PowerPoint behind him that had some totally weird, almost like Adam Curtis-style bizarre imagery with music. And he was he said he was utterly hypnotic in the most bizarre, totally insane, but also really entertaining way. And, you know, we decided not even to do anything about it in the end because we just thought, this is not going to come across the way we, we particularly want it to. But why, genuinely, no piss taking, why are people so enamored with this phenomenon that is David Icke? Well, I mean, here we are. You know, I mean, this is, this is, it. It, it, is it is fascinating when people come up with stuff like this. If I, you know, I remember having first come across the, the David Icke theory, when I guess, I guess at roughly the same time, a friend of mine, my flatmate at the time, John, bought me... Um, bought me one of David Icke's books just so we could pursue this further because it was just so crazily amusing and, and like just a great thing to talk about when you were drunk you know and so I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of it in that it's just it's just sort of mesmerizing I mean I, you've also got I suppose people as with all conspiracy theories people do like to believe there's a kind of hidden secret but what Ike's got is the hidden secret is also deeply entertaining. Mm. It's, um, I think it can be as well for the people who get really hooked into these things. And actually, you know, this one might seem one of the more harmless in some ways, conspiracy theories. It should be stressed. Um, do people remember the huge bomb in Nashville on Christmas Day? Um, where a guy blew up most of downtown Nashville outside when AT&T. On Christmas Day, um, he put out sounds of fake gunfire 
and a big bomb warning so that the the area was quite fully evacuated and then blew himself up in his car because uh, he thought, I mean, partly he was a 5G conspiracist, but he was quite signed up to the David Icke lizard conspiracy theory. And so he's done millions and millions of damage and killed himself yeah. in part because he got pulled in by this. So even ones like this really get people in. And my... You know, I think the one the people who get more drawn into them are the ones where if you believe another conspiracy that relies on not just one or two people, but hundreds or thousands of people covering something up or conspiring against the general population, you start to need an explanation for why so many people are keeping a secret and no one ever breaks it. And people sometimes go for Illuminati. They all too often go for sort of Jewish and anti-Semitic conspiracies. But sometimes they're not a powerful enough reason for, you know, why does not one person speak out, which would have to be true for something like QAnon or something like, you know, a lot of these. And so they're literally another species actually gets you somewhere towards the answer you need to be able to believe the other conspiracies and so in, in the logic in your head, it can all stack up. QAnon is, is quite lizardy as well. I mean, you know, yeah. the, the, the mechanics of QAnon, that you've basically got this, you know, this secret, secret fraternity of pedophiles uh, and, and yet also this kind of sort of this nice deep state that's fighting back against them is quite War of the Lizards, really. Yeah. Because, yeah. because none of these, none of these kind of, Participants are supposed to be normal people. So, I mean, the the, Q, the QAnon is really lizard, the lizard conspiracy without the word lizard, isn't before it? Before we go, before we go full um, QAnon, just on just just sort of staying on that point about you know the uh, the fact that you know that someone had been killed and and or had blown himself up in Nashville. I, I know this podcast's title is going to be, you know, we're talking about the lizards, really, and the conspiracy theory, but that is so deeply intermeshed with David Icke. And for me, I always saw him as relatively kind of harmless until... Was it London Live? Was that was it? Was that the the, the one he went out on when he did the interview? The, the, 90, the ninety minute yeah. London Live interview, which which I I needed to watch, where he was pushing a very very advanced version of yeah. the vaccine conspiracy theory, the one that Bill Gates is doing uh, created a, a bio disease to do. It's compelling when you watch it, though. You know, a bit like. Uh, you were yeah, saying totally. with Hayden, I needed to watch all of this for work. It pulls you in. But Jamesy, exact, that's the whole thing, isn't it? That you had to start needing to watch it for work because also what was implicit in a lot of that video was that the public health message that was paramount in containing the spread of a pandemic that was going to kill and a very simple public health ask of wear gloves, socially distance, wear a mask became intermeshed with his fan base's conspiracy. And I genuinely believe that that moves someone into a very different zone, you know, as in you're now not offering up a sort of societal issue, which you believe is a giant conspiracy that people may or may not believe. Now I'm actually telling you to disobey a public health message, essentially, you know, and, and I, I don't know, that totally changed how I saw him. You know, I really, I really started feeling like, you know, 
this is not a good guy, you know, at all. I, I feel I, I feel like you may have, have come to the David Icke is dangerous group <laughs> a, a little later than others. Um, well, one of his sort of favoured things was saying that neo-Nazi and far-right groups were actually all Mossad fronts. Uh, so Combat 18 and all of this sort of group, uh, he would say were actually a front for the Anti-Defamation League, um, which, you know, is a, you know, a group to, to sort of try and tackle anti-Semitic abuse, etc. And then in turn say the ADL was a Mossad front. So Combat 18 were Mossad. That's not a cute and fluffy conspiracy theory, really. I mean, can we, can we talk for a minute about, um, about seriousness and the lack thereof? Because something that struck me, particularly after the storming of the Capitol with them, with, with, with a lot of the QAnon supporters, is although they are on one level, well, on every level they're, they're very dangerous, on, on one level they're very serious, there's also there's something quite cosplay about it all. There's something totally. Quite real, it's like a real-life computer game that yeah. people kind of sort of believe slash don't believe but live like they do believe. You know, they, they believe that they were revolutionaries but not to the extent that they expected to get arrested on the way home at the airport. I felt like they were treating it like an escape room, you know? I mean, it's like it's a sort of activity. Just, I think you've totally nailed that. But, and so, but so that's very similar to this in that you kind of, you sort of believe slash don't believe, you pretend to believe because everyone around you believe and you just sort of enjoy it as the game and then the, the mask eats the face, like the yeah. of Prince of Blood, you know? Why do you think that is, Hugo? Like, why do you think that exists now, that sort of embedded ARG reality for people where they sort of think it's fun, don't understand the consequences of their actions? Well, I think it's, I mean, well, there's, you know, there's various levels you can, you can approach it on. You can approach it as sort of hobbyism that gets out of control. You can sort of approach it in a sort of, through a sort of, you know, philosophical context of, of losing touch with the real, you know, in an almost sort of existentialist way that the, 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 the world we experience is so divorced from reality anyway through, through, you know, through sort of media and film and our own imagination that it's a small step to just sort of build an alternative one and live in it because you might as well live in whichever one you want because it's all bogus, if that makes any sense. Simulcrum, etc. Um, so I think there's, 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 there's various bits of all of that going on, but I think a lot of it just boils down to people having a laugh and then it stops being a laugh. Yeah. And it does also feel like sometimes people almost self-radicalize or radicalize others or hit a point where maybe they don't know whether they're joking or yeah. not. You know, I, th I think I can think of several people who started out relatively mainstream or at least on the edges of mainstream who started flirting with sort of quite strange conspiracy theories or with the alt-right or with, all, you know, all of these sorts of things. And maybe they were joking when they started out. Maybe they kind of did it as a provocation uh, or a nudge wink. Oh, it's not too serious. But you tend to then see those people a year or two later and they've gone radically further. And you start thinking, well, either it now makes no difference whether you're serious or not, or you've hit the point where even you can't tell anymore. And it does seem like there's a quite dangerous path through that slightly nihilistic, you know, oh, well, it's all a bit of a laugh, isn't it? Don't take it too seriously approach. Do you know what I've been thinking about this? Because I, I think Hugo and you both talked to something that is we really haven't quite addressed or been able to... Um, sort of really 
as a as a society based on the idea that rationalism is a good thing and that it makes sense and empiricism makes sense, we've entered this sort of new phase. And it's almost like in the same way that, we, you know, we talk about you know, this idea of the Overton window and, and people moving public discourse by saying very radical things. It feels like to some extent that's taken place with the truth and what people consider to be true and what people, and, 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 and even more sort of terrifyingly sort of compounded by if I feel it very strongly, then that is true. And that is, is even more scary because you lose all touch with it. And, and even more scary really is the fact that because of lockdowns and because of this totally tremendous trauma that so many different people in lockdown are going through all around the world, people are very literally living completely different realities. They are living and, and breathing in a way they they've never had less contact with other people that think differently. Without saying anything offensive, suddenly, is it a bit like faith? Because, yeah. I mean, I've, I've been really struck during, um, and I, don't, I really don't mean this in an offensive way, but I've been really struck during the coronavirus crisis by the absence of faith. I always expected if I ever lived through a plague time, then you'd have all kinds of sort of, you know, sort of religion, religions would be would be in clover, right? You know, because people, yeah. people want want salvation. They want sort of they would they, they want an answer. That kind of hasn't happened, and I wonder if conspiratorialism has sort of happened instead. And something mm-hmm. like a lizard theory, it is. I mean, it is kind of like you know, the, the more unrealistic, the more the less rational, the the better, because the more faith is required. And I wonder if it's sort of exercising the same kind of muscle. What do you think, Jamesy? So, I, I mean, I think I think there's been been quite a lot said about conspiracy theories filling the void that faith used to. And, you know, I actually, I, I do think the broader idea of that, there's quite a lot to it. You know, if you can't have a benign and all-loving God sort of watching over what you do who has some kind of plan to make sense of it all after, or you can't even have a sort of capricious and, you know, a bit of a dickish God, it's weirdly sort of better that there's a bunch of people with a sinister plan than absolutely no one at all. And it's just a bunch of idiots trying, you know, much like you, you know, you and everyone you know, trying to work out what the fuck's going on and kind of do their best or not do their best through it. You know, I, I think the the reality of, of how countries are run or how com- companies are run or corporations is weirdly scarier. People end up doing quite a lot of harm. Mm-hmm. You know, no one would deny that. But, you know, nothing knocks the conspiratorialism out of you more than sort of close proximity with the people who run things because you just find yourself going you know what like when you see twitter going this is boris johnson making a 4d plan to do this you kind of find yourself thinking i wish he was that clever like even if he was that malicious i wish i think there's i think there's something else going on though in the individual that isn't looked at enough and uh i think you know, very recently, uh, as a lot of people I'm sure who listen to this will, they will come into contact with Adam Curtis's brand new series, which is sort of looks at an emotional history of uh, of West. And there's something that I don't think enough people really get into with this, which is, is part of the joy of the conspiracy that innately is something against you, which means you matter. And I think a lot of people who claw into this stuff, feel like they don't matter, feel that they're totally powerless in the face of unimaginable odds. 
And it's linked to that idea as well of feeling like, oh, at least I know what's going on. You know, I believe in conspiracy theories, which means that there's a good overarching idea that everything is happening for a reason and happening to me. You know, do you think there's do you think there's something in that that, that people feel they don't matter? It's maybe another way of saying the same sort of thing, but it's also an excuse for powerlessness. You know, you look at you look at the, I mean, you look at the the, the the names of people who David Icke thinks are lizards. They're the same people who who various conspiracy conspiracy theories from QAnon downwards decide are paedophiles. They're the same people who they're often the same people who are, who are supposed to have been involved in the assassination of JFK or are covering up this. It's always the same people. It's the yeah. same list of people who seem to have these very active lives doing all these things. And very really busy, aren't they? Very, very busy. Very, very, busy. Um, very still, still, still haven't invited me into the fucking mountain. But um, anyway, um, <laughs> Hugo, you know what they say: if you want something done, give it to a busy person. If you want something done, give it to a give it to a blood drinking Jewish lizard, and it'll be done in no time. <laughs> I mean, the, the the physiology of these lizards kind of bothers me because you know I've never heard David Icke argue against evolution and evolutionary theory, but you know lizards are cold blooded, and so you know these guys seem able to operate in quite icy climates. You know, it's not like uh, he's got all the lizard people operating from. Like you know, equator <laughs> countries, but also they they apparently can interbreed with mammals, which is unusual. What? Uh, like given that Shut they can up. sort of do that, and then and yet they also apparently either need or really enjoy drinking blood. And you like there are very few things where it's useful to sort of do both of those. Like you know, if you're a human, it's not good for you to drink human blood. Uh, it, yeah, it can, dude, cause, it can cause you quite a lot of like gastric distress. Listen, I was going to say I've just watched a discovery of witches on Sky in lockdown. Okay, and these vampires they just they just drink blood like it's some you know innocent smoothie packaged in a really nice way, probably bought in London Fields or somewhere in East London. <laughs> you know, it's probably organic. So you know, I don't know all this. All this just talk, you know, it's a bit old school, isn't it? I mean, if vampires have caught up, you know, probably these lizards have too. See, I'm just thinking about black pudding. I don't know why, but it's just, you know, I mean, wouldn't that do? Can't, can't, oh, they, just have, can't they just have their human blood in black pudding form? You know, if they want to <laughs> in the north of Scotland, so, does that not work? You know, or in, Germ- in Germany is blood yeah. sausage? We're one joke away from getting ourselves cancelled in the entirety of the northeast of England. And uh, given my family's from there, I need to be very careful here. I love black pudding. I love black pudding. It's, it's, it's part of the Scottish farm too. Actually, that, wouldn't that be a great plot twist if it turns out the 12 feet lizards uh, actually aren't running the world, but just actually quite happily sort of living up in the northeast and uh, tucking in a yeah. black pudding, you know, keeping them sent to the sand, you know? Exactly. I like that idea. I think they may well just have, you know, it's like Thanos at the end of Endgame. Is they've had a heart, they've they've destroyed societies. You know, they're going to sit back, have a have a bit of black pudding, blood beer, or whatever they drink. Black pudding and a bloody mary. That's nice, bloody mary. Obviously, didn't see that one. <laughs> quite seriously, we we still haven't quite said why we think so many people believe it. I mean, not that many people believe this one. I hope twelve million. Uh, didn't James say well, twelve? Yeah, but you know, I, mean, I don't know where it, where it sits in the scale of how many people believe other sort of mad stuff. I don't know. Look, I mean, I can tell you, it's quite quite big. It's probably your peak one of something that is fun to believe, and it's and it's rude about the people you're talking about. Uh, you know, it's dismissive. It's also, frankly, 
there's a sort of slightly defensive. And so in, like in the, I mentioned earlier the, the John Ronson piece that introduced me to exactly what David Icke thought about lizards. There's a bit in there where some Icke supporters are trying to discuss how to sort of smuggle these views into the media having not yet hit on the fact that the best way to do it is to be just fucking ridiculous and get someone to take the piss out of you in The Guardian. Uh, <laughs> but um, they're trying to figure out what to do. And one of them points out, he goes, look, what David Icke is saying is basically exactly what Noam Chomsky says about power plus lizards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Should we just not mention, I think, I think the, the exact line is, the lizards just muddy the waters, right? You know, <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Actually, if you don't if you don't talk about lizards, then what you have is a you know I mean I wouldn't say a, a straightforward and standard, but a, a, a moderately widespread sort of you know left wing slightly conspiratorial conspiratorialist theory of power. And so perhaps there's something about adding the lizards to it that means you you sort of commit to it less. You can sort of say you don't really mean it because it's just lizards. I should I should also flag that um, I suspect part of what we're seeing with this is that uh, there is a portion of the world's public who will, if they see a funny option on a survey, answer it. Um, you know, there's <laughs> yeah. also people who will check random boxes. You know, if you ask people whether they've heard heard of politicians in the cabinet for example uh it's a pollster's trick to throw in one or two who don't exist uh and see how many people say they've heard of them uh, that would work on me i'm sure it, it tends it tends to uh, cut through and so if it's something like do you think the world is secretly run by lizards i i don't believe anyone on this podcast right now could honestly say they wouldn't be tempted to tick that box on the survey <laughs> unbelievable so it's kind of basically your fault isn't it? so a bit of it is that kind of trolling and then a bit of it i think is all all the other factors we've said yeah. my only other lizard question was because they're not not just lizards they're alien lizards and so why why here is there nowhere better that's where are they from yeah. what's, it, what's it like there that it's better to come here and be the queen what did, <laughs> tell me, Hugo, tell me what you think it's like. I have no idea. Is it a planet of only lizards? Well, just give me a kind of, you know, give me a kind of travel show breakdown. Of Is everything on this planet a shapeshifter? How do you know what to eat? Yeah. It sounds like a nightmare. Oh, Maybe they really, really like chicks and horses, you know. <laughs> I see it more like avatari. I reckon they come from a sort of avatari place, you know, James Cameron sort of vibe. And, you know, it's probably quite nice. It's maybe a bit swampy, swampy, and, you know, a bit like yodery. That's that's the way I'm seeing their, their home world. On any given week, I mean, they're all going to look like Harry Styles one week, and then the next week, it's just not practical. Unbelievable. I, I think you've just indoctrinated Harry Styles into the Lizard Conspiracy, so well done on that. <laughs> it's, 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 it's that time of the show where we, we, we make our final assessment here of whether or not this conspiracy theory is true or false. So, Hugo? I don't think it's true, but then I would say that because I am currently sticking out my forked tongue and smelling it. <laughs> <laughs> James? I think I now subscribe to the theory that maybe we're all a little bit lizard. You know, it's it, just like we're all royalty, thanks to Edward VIII, we're all lizards too. Yeah. So let's go with it. Well, from uh, uh, your panel of shape-shifting, uh, I'm a majority Jewish surnamed uh, uh, shape-shifting lizards presenting this podcast, we say to you, uh, respect your overlords, know your place. Um, we'll be back, obviously, next week uh, with another episode. Please, please do subscribe. Uh, like and share the podcast it, it makes a massive difference and if you don't uh, the lizards will 
come around and get you. So thank you so much to our guest, Hugo. Thanks, Hugo. Thank you. And uh, as ever from resident genius, James Ball. Thank you, James. Sir, thank you all very much. 